Welcome back to the Describe Your World podcast. I'm Travis, and this is episode 16 of the podcast. Uh, so what happened, I, I interviewed Andre, my friend, and we created an episode together for the podcast. And it actually went, the conversation kept flowing and it, it went super well. Um, so it was something that I was excited about and we just kept it going. So it ended up going for quite a long time. And I know how retention works with YouTube. Sometimes longer videos don't do as well. So I, I made the executive decision to split the podcast episode into two. So this is my intro for part two. I hope you all enjoy it. And I would love to see engagement in the comment section. Hit the like button if you enjoyed. And I'll see you on the next one. Um, kind of a topic switch. But have you ever heard of chess boxing? Yeah, I was actually going to ask you about chess boxing when we got into like our talk about uh, Jake Paul. Because somehow yeah. Ludwig and Jake Paul are connected. And it's convoluted. But <laughs> both do like boxing events now, yeah. It's like... It's the craziest sport I've ever seen. To see someone go from, like, fighting and, like, beating someone up to then sitting at a table, like, a minute later, like, doing something, like, super, like, intense on your mind, like, playing <laughs> chess, like, trying to, like, read your opponent. It was so interesting. And then how that ties into the Smash, obviously, is um, they also did uh, boxing and then Smash uh, Melee. So they would play, like, I think, like, a round or just, like, a game of uh, Melee, and then they would go back to the chessboard. And mm -hmm. then one of the guys, he got, like, beat up so bad in the uh, the boxing portion that by the time he was, like, playing the Melee, he could barely play. He was, like, out of breath, like, looking down, probably, like, super <laughs> moshes, and then trying to also, you know, play this game that the other guy is, like, super good at. So, um yeah, it's very interesting to watch that. I hope they uh, hope they do another one. I, I will say on record, since this is going to be on the internet, that Andrea Botez was robbed, and she one thousand percent won that fight. <laughs> that was the best fight of the night, I think. Like, I was yes. like, super invested into that one, and they actually um, they rescinded the uh, decision. So what they didn't want to take the belt away from the uh, the girl she fought. I forget her name. From Dina, yeah. Yeah, they don't want to, like, they kind of felt like it would be, like, weird to take the belt away and then give it to Andrea. So they said they, they just, they gave Andrea a belt as well and be like, okay, so we re-looked we re at it and they should have called the fight at the end there and you should have won. So technically they're, like, both winners. Yeah. So. It's, it's cool because that that fight really embodied kind of what he was trying to accomplish i think because you know andrea did legitimate training boxing training for weeks and weeks she got in shape she learned technique and she was clearly the better boxer by a mile and then obviously dina as a grandmaster was way better at chess so yeah. it was really a back and forth like a, a power kind of struggle between the two you had uh, Andrea just trying to kind of stay alive in chess and then Dina trying to quite literally stay alive in boxing oh, uh, gas the entire time, just barely keeping it together, had to stop the fight for her. Um, yeah. So I kind of felt bad because she was, I mean, from an athletic perspective, she was outclassed, but it was very entertaining. And, and that's kind of the matchup that you want if you do an event like that. I'm interested to know who your, uh, your favorite kind of like streamers or like internet personalities are? Um, that's a tough question. And that's something that over the past, I would say year, year and a half, I've really gotten into a lot more is like Twitch and streaming. 
it's, I used to be really big into YouTube and I still love YouTube. There are a lot of creators I still follow, but really streams are what I'm more so interested in now because I like long form content, which is kind of strange because a lot of people would much rather have like your minute and a half, you know, short form stuff like TikTok, but I actually like really, really long stuff. So if there's like a six hour stream of somebody that I really like, I'll just sit and have it in the background for six hours and I'll yeah. you know, kind of follow it. Um, so a couple of the ones that I really enjoyed in 2022 were um, I watched a little bit of XQC, not a ton, a little bit. Um, both Jeez. Ludwig and Cutie Cinderella, I watched a fairly good amount of them too. I like I like Cutie's events. I think they're all really fun. Um, a lot of Ms. Kiff, and I don't <laughs> not saying Ms. Kiff's a great person, but I, I think that Ms. Kiff's a great entertainer. Um, the offline TV crew like Foosley and um, and Disguised Toast and Peter Park and Masayoshi, I like all of them. So there are a few communities out of Twitch that I kind of keep track of. And I like the events. I like the stuff that they get together and do as a group. It, it's always the most entertaining. So when I saw that Ludwig was hosting chess boxing, I was like, all right, this is one I'm going to have to watch. Yeah. For me, I think I like Ludwig. I don't tune into his streams too much. I do sometimes, but his events, he does like amazing events. And I think one thing that's really cool about Ludwig is he's got such like a charismatic personality and he just like has a great way of like talking and explaining things. Mm -hmm. Which is why I think his events are so good. Like he can get on that stage and just like talk to people and just like bring them in and um yeah definitely like watching him um i like foosley i would say she's probably one of the ones i watch the most just super funny girl um valkyrie um Saikuno, the whole like otv squad is it's pretty fun to watch um mm -hmm. let me think besides them kind of like hassan I don't tune in too much to him, but sometimes I'll be like, okay, what's going on in the news? Or um, <laughs> I, watch, I watch his podcast sometimes, which is interesting. Um, yeah, I would say that's that's like the main ones. I like the kind of like OTV and uh, 100 Thieves group. Yeah, 100 Thieves is really solid. Um, Austin Show, the shows that Austin Show and Will Neff did this year were really good, like Name Your Price, um, Valkyrie, um I think Tina might have just parted ways with 100 Thieves. I think that's kind of a recent yeah. development. Um, but that entire, I mean, even some of the the Call of Duty guys and the Fortnite guys over there. Um, oh, it's going to kill me. I can't think of the guy's name, but he's one of the Call of Duty guys and he's in 100 Thieves. But there are a lot of really good creators that are part of those big factions that are really entertaining. Um, yeah. rest in peace to, uh, whine about it. I was really sad when that podcast ended. <laughs> whine about it? Oh, is that with, uh, Cutie? Cutie and Maya. Yep. Yeah. I never watched it, but I've heard of it. Um, yeah. And then rest in peace to Noodle Shop. We know we don't need to get into the whole sexual assault drama, but rest in peace to Noodle Shop. <laughs> I've heard of that one. Who's that with? 
So that's and if you if you're familiar with OTK, um, there's yeah. Tectone, Tectone, Imaru, and Rich Campbell did a podcast together, and they have about 13 episodes that you can go and watch. But it's all about anime, so they talk about anime on each episode. It's super entertaining. Um, but recent events dealing with Rich Campbell have since killed the podcast, um, unfortunately. So <laughs> rest in peace. To- What's that? Did he get canceled too? I know Miss Kip got canceled, and I know. Um... Crazy Slick got canceled, but he did as well. Yeah. What did he do? So after the Crazy Slick thing happened, it kind of started this like cascade of events in which big time streamers kind of got rolled over by people and exposed. And Mizkif was unfortunately associated with the Slick stuff. So he he got canceled way worse than Slick did because of his, his positioning and just being a big personality. Right. Um, and actually on New Year's Day, I believe, or New Year's Eve, they released a statement and they finished their investigation. He's reinstated with OTK and all that good stuff. And he's back to streaming pretty regularly. But Rich Campbell was exposed for sexual assault a couple weeks back. He, um, they had text messages and the whole story leaked and he was actually live on an event when it happened and his live reaction is pretty shocking. So you'll have to check it out because he's like watching his phone and then he sees that, you know, everything was leaked and he kind of freaks out. Um, but yeah, no, he's, he's a hundred percent up a river just like Miz was in crazy slick. So, um, he did say that he was going to respond publicly and release a statement, but he hasn't. So. Who knows, you know, what'll come of that. But yeah, he's he's done. <laughs> okay. I like where this is going. We're starting to kind of get into like uh, you know, drama. Scams. Yeah, drama. <laughs> but before we go into like the thing I really want to go into, uh, I'm sure you heard about the uh, the slicker drama back like a couple of months ago. As well. Yeah, slicker. Like you borrow five bucks and then it turns into 200,000. <laughs> I don't know how he got away with that for so long. He pretty much went to every single streamer friend he knows who's like rich and has got like plenty of money. And he's like, Hey, I'm like locked out of my bank account. Can you send mm-hmm. me like a thousand dollars or like $2,000? Um, which is like messed up, but it's not like, I don't think that's like super damning. I think which what was really messed up and which like deserves for him to get canceled is he was stealing money from his viewers. Mm-hmm. Um, and like one of them, like they did an interview with her and she was like, um, had cancer and was like doing chemo at the time, like to steal money from a person like that. It's so messed up. Um, and I don't know how he got away with it for so long. Cause once he got exposed for that, then it was like on Twitter, just like 50 people like, oh, screenshots here are the messages he sent me or like, here's the video he sent me saying the exact same thing, asking for money. Um, it's so messed up. And of course, like, you know, he needed all that money because he was addicted to gambling and mm-hmm. he would lose the money in gambling. And he said he would like pay people back with like his you know, he, he always planned to pay people back when he, like, wins the money. Or, like, one thing he would do is kind of like a pyramid scheme. He would borrow some money from someone else to pay off that other person. So just a mess that uh, he got himself into. And, you know. There was, like, there was, a, there was a week there, and um, it's really funny because there was a little – there was a stretch. So basically it was like a Sunday, I think, and 
I was kind of following it on Twitter and I was kind of following it on YouTube, but basically XQC and Sammy or Adept the Best broke up and it would have been totally fine, but they were both live whenever they kind of like split. So X's audience, like when attacked her, assaulted her on her stream and started like slut shaming her and doing all this crazy stuff. So it really turned into a big mess. Only a few hours later, the Slicker stuff started. So, like, on Twitter, you see Slicker's, like, exposed all of his tweets and messages. And, like you said, one person after another just layering it on. And all of a sudden, you've got, like, 100 people who have the same, like, text message from him. And so everybody kind of forgot about the breakup because that wasn't as important, obviously, as Slicker and his 200K. And then it might have been, like, three days later that Trainwrecks and X went after Mizkiff and that whole thing broke. So it was like a week of Twitch just completely collapsing. Yeah, everyone in the Twitch community knows that like span of a few weeks was like an apocalypse where it was mm -hmm. so toxic, so much drama, literally just like a cleansing of all this like bad stuff that was going on. It's yeah. crazy. So now I guess it's it's time for you to do some exposing of yourself with uh, the Logan Paul. <laughs> so this is interesting. So this is something that we kind of talked about before recording, and um, and I, I'm all about it. But it's it has a lot to do with Logan Paul's video game, and it has a lot to do with like uh, investment and NFT and um, digital tokens, digital currency. So I'll let Andre sort of flesh out the story, and then we'll go back and forth a bit. All right, so, um, yeah, so the big drama right now is um, everybody's calling Logan Paul, you know, famous social media star, boxer, they're calling him a scammer because it just came out a few weeks ago, um, a YouTuber named CoffeeZilla released a really good three-part documentary series on pretty much um, CryptoZoo, Logan Paul's NFT crypto game, and pretty much showing how, you know, he kind of scammed his audience into buying into this, um, this crypto project game, um, and then kind of abandoning the project when things went wrong, and then people lost like hundreds of thousands of dollars, um, totaling like probably like millions dollars his fans lost um so this kind of hits home this whole story because i don't know if you remember but i've been a crypto zoo investor and supporter since the beginning like since when logan paul first announced it on his um impulsive podcast so back then um Crypto was doing pretty good, and this was kind of like around the time NFTs were booming, and like everybody was trying to get into the NFT market. Um, and I've always been super interested in crypto, um, peace of mind, you know, different um, like Bitcoin and like Ethereum, that sort of thing. Um, just in interested in that whole kind of space, the crypto space. Um, so you know, I looked into it after he announced it, and I saw. That after he mentioned it on his podcast, the price of ZooCoin, the coin that's uh, associated with that project, skyrocketed like, uh, I can't even remember, it was at least like 20x, right? 
So if he would have bought in um, when he announced it on his podcast and then sold it like a couple of weeks later, you know, you, you could have put like a hundred dollars in and maybe made like thousands. Right. So that kind of got me really interested in it. And I was like, wow, this, this project's really growing. Um, and of course, why, why wouldn't it, you know, you have Logan Paul uh, associated with this project. Um, who's like one of the biggest like marketers and social media guys in the world. Right. So I was like, you know, a project backed by this guy is probably going to be huge and I should get in now. So over the course of the next year, I continued to, you know, research the project. I was in the discord, you know, always looking for the updates, put money in, um, I bought the eggs. So pretty much, um, to give some context about what this project, um, this game is, um, so you buy eggs, um, and then you can hatch the eggs into, um, I think there's like 16 different animals you can get from the eggs and it's completely random when you hatch it. So you can get like a common animal or a rare or an epic or a legendary. So there's like a bit of uh, gambling involved where, you know, you're trying to see if you can get that like really rare animal, right? So that's kind of the first component that I thought was really cool. Um, you know, kind of like Pokemon, you're trying to like get the, uh, you know, the, the legendary Pokemon or whatever. Um, so that was the first component of it. Now, the second component is you can breed the animals. So um, let's say I take a pug, which was one of the animals, and then you breed it with like um, a shark. You have like a, a hybrid, it's like a shark's body with like a pug's face, right? So I thought that was super cool. Um, and then another component of this project was that the animals and the hybrids, they have a yield. They, every day they earn a certain amount of zoo coins. So the higher the rarity, the more um, zoo coin the animal earns. So, um, so kind of, um, uh, lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, so pretty much you're trying to get all these different hybrids so you can, you know, earn the yield and then make money potentially off of the zoo coin, which um, is a component of it as well. And, you know, as the project grows, you would think, you know, the zoo coin is going to rise as well. So it seemed like a great project. Um, put money in, I bought eggs, I hatched eggs, you know, bred the, uh, the animals to make hybrids. And I thought, you know, when this finally gets like, you know, fully released and like, um, it's kind of like more mainstream and Logan Paul is um, uh, marketing it. I thought, you know, probably going to make a lot of money off of this. This is going to be great. Um, so I put a lot of money in um, and that investment has gone down quite substantially. Um, so kind of the big drama where things kind of started to go wrong is so I think the first thing was that the lead developer for the project stole the code and fled to Switzerland. Hmm. He says that it was because he wasn't getting paid for the development. Um, and then Logan Paul says that, you know, he said he had like a team of like 30 people and that they were all building out the project where in reality it was like three people. 
and you know they weren't actually building it out like they said they were um so that was like a big thing of drama and they dropped that development team had to find another one i think they eventually dropped that team and then they found another one and then i think they weren't that was kind of the last team that we kind of knew about they said that um so one they weren't getting paid on time and then two which was kind of more worrying was that um they weren't really getting enough feedback from like you know logan paul or like um his manager jeff on like you know how they could proceed with the project and stuff like that so just not enough involvement in the project from logan paul um and i think that's ultimately what kind of led to it dying is you know just bad management and not enough communication like so throughout that past year when um when um when all these bad things were going on like losing development teams i only found out about this stuff kind of after the fact and because of this documentary that came out from um Papizilla, he's kind of the one that exposed it all at the time like they never told us anything in like the discord or like the community news they kept all that stuff under wraps um so i think that was just a huge thing that also killed the project and made investors lose faith is that there was no communication about all this bad stuff going on right uh probably because they didn't want people to sell they didn't want people to leave the project um so that was really bad and then um so in Logan Paul's defense, he 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 released some defense videos. He said it's kind of like all these like bad actors' fault. So there's like that developer who fled with the code. He said it's his fault. Um, Eddie Ibanez, who was kind of like also a lead developer for the project, he was like a con man. He like he pretty much lied about his like entire life and his whole story. He like said he worked on all these things and he like worked for like, I forget if it was like the FBI or the CIA, something like that. Um, he like, he said he worked for like the Yankees. Like he had this like huge resume that made him look really good. And he fooled like a bunch of people with this story when in actuality, you know, he didn't do any of those things. So he was definitely the wrong man for that job. And I think, you know, he got a lot of ZooCoin for his work that he said he was doing and he sold a lot of that right so that money that he was uh making off of that zoo selling that is being taken from logan paul's fans so that was like a huge thing um and then another bad actor uh part of the project was uh crypto king um whose name is jake he's this bald guy um and he used to be known as uh what was his name back then do you know who i'm talking about the ball i have no idea okay so do you remember like i think a couple years ago back when like pokemon cards kind of blew up because logan paul did that box break Mm -hmm. so remember the bald guy who was with him during that box break um and he was like quoting all these prices for the car. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, he was he was there for the live event. He was kind of like spitting out the valuations as they were pulling. Yeah. So people kind of hated that guy back then because he said like, 
a Bulbasaur and like a PSA 10 would go for like 30,000. That was like a huge thing. <laughs> and pretty much he was like giving these outlandish prices for, um, for Pokemon cards, which kind of made the market blow up and like made prices go up. Um, when in actuality, you know, they probably weren't worth that much. Um, so it's the same guy, same, uh, same bald guy is now involved in this crypto thing. And pretty much what he did that was messed up was, you know, they were only supposed to have a certain amount of zoo coin, um, as kind of like, um, like a salary as part of being, um, as part of being part of the project. But the thing he did that was messed up was he bought a lot more of the coin than he was supposed to. And then he kind of dumped it all on, um, you know, the people who bought in later. So it's, it's estimated that he made about $6 million off the project. And that all came from Logan Paul's viewers and people who invested like his fans. So that's like pretty messed up. Um, and. So Logan Paul never sold the coins and his manager, Jeff, never sold the coins. So at least there's that, but there are some pretty bad text messages uh, that were leaked in between Jake, the crypto king, uh, Jeff and Logan, where it pretty much looks like they're planning the scam out and like kind of saying like when they're going to sell, how they're going to sell, like all these different rules where. If this was like in the stock market, for example, or like a security, they would get like sued so bad. Like it's like super illegal to do that. But because crypto's unregulated, I think, I think they can kind of get away with it. Um, so yeah, I feel like that kind of summarizes the story pretty well. And <laughs> messed up situation. Um, so I, I haven't sold my zoo coin. And I still have all my eggs. Um, well, the ones I haven't hatched, still have all my animals. And I think my plan is to keep it. So after this whole like scam allegations came out, Logan Paul is kind of forced to say like, oh, actually we're gonna finish the game. And he's gonna come back and he's gonna, you know, keep working on it. And then he eventually is gonna release it. So. I'm hoping there's a chance that maybe this year or next year that, um, you know, the project could come back and, you know, I have a chance to, you know, make my money back or maybe even make money if, you know, the project ends up being a success. But right now it's the whole project is just, uh, you know, tarnished and stained with this bad reputation. So it's, uh, it's pretty bad. I guess my question is, I have a lot of questions, but my big question is, where, where is Bitcoin and Ethereum and other forms of digital currency now? Because the last I heard about it, you know, digital currency generally had pretty fallen off pretty hard. Like the yeah. the value dropped to like thirty percent over the course of a couple of days and didn't bottom out. Of course, it still has value, but like Elon's not taking Bitcoin at Tesla anymore and all this other stuff. Yeah, so this is kind of what happens with crypto. Um, it has like bull markets and then bear markets. So the bull market is when like everybody's talking about it. They're hyping it up. It's like hitting new milestones. You know, it's like, oh, Bitcoin's at 50K. Like you got to get in now. It's like, it's going up. It's going up. Um, 
And then there hits a point where it like hits an all time high. And then we kind of transition back into that bear market where it's like starting to go down. And then it's like, is it going to go back up? No, it's still going down and down and down. And that's where we've been for like the past year or so. Um, now I still have faith that it's not dead and it's going to come back. Um, mainly just because of history. I mean, I've been following crypto for a long time. And um, so I used—I told you I used to mine a lot of Bitcoin and stuff, right? So I had a lot of that saved up. Mm -hmm. um, but then when it crashed, um, I forget what year it was. I want to say this was like around 2019. Maybe it crashed around then. And then it was kind of dead for like in a bear market for like three years, three years where I thought like Bitcoin is just completely dead. Um, actually, it might have been before that. It might have been more like 2017, 2018. I can't remember. But um, pretty much I gave up on Bitcoin. I was like, oh, yeah, it's like down to like 10,000. And it was at like 50,000. Like it's, it's pretty dead. Um, but then it came back. And then that was kind of the last wave of hype where you had like Elon talking about it and Tesla taking it and all these other people hyping it up where then it went from like 10,000, which was like super low and then back up to like 60 K where it's never been before. Right. So, um, so I still have faith that, you know, we could be in another, in um, another year of a bear market, but I think eventually People are going to start hyping it up again, buying in, and then, you know, it'll hit another high of like probably 70, 80 K. Um, and yeah. I, I know there's a mechanism and this kind of ties into the whole like box break stuff and just the valuation of collectibles kind of shooting through the ceiling and beyond and then coming crashing back down. I, I don't know if it's the mechanism that, explains what's going on but it kind of feels right that you know when covid came through there is a sentiment of like this is the end like this could be the end of the world kind of thing so i think a lot of young people like us specifically investors collectors kids who you know have careers and now have spendable like an extra amount of spendable money or like all right yolo like we're gonna spend money and it's gonna get crazy and all this stuff um and then whenever everything started to normalize accordingly collectibles and uh, digital currency started to normalize with it so there's part of me who's like yes you know digital currency will absolutely shoot through the ceiling again because that's just kind of the way that things trend so like stocks and bonds they trend up they trend down you have mm -hmm. to invest at the right time kind of like there's a situation right now in our family and well, my wife and i where i had a really great situation when i bought my house you know there was my interest rate is extremely low like three or four points lower than the average right now so like whenever i bought in we have a situation that's super favorable like really great setup but right now, buying a house would absolutely suck because your interest rate is going to be in the sixes. You know, you're going to pay four times the the value of the property. Like, and we know that that's going to change. That'll fluctuate. My question is, can digital currency like fluctuate? Will it shoot back up or will it just die? Um, 
And it's tricky yeah. because when you don't have a physical thing, when you don't have a block of gold, when you don't have a coin, when you don't have a stack of dollars or whatever, it's so much less convincing that there's value. Um, so when somebody like Elon's accepting it to buy a car, that's, and that's absolutely great because that means it has value. But whenever you can't do anything with it, then it kind of falls off. So I don't know. It, it's tricky. And I think that Logan is experiencing some of that too because people have kind of lost faith in the product at this point. You know, you expect a return and there's no return. You know, you have to hire a whole new development team. Game's not done. Uh, buggy can't be released yet. So I don't know. I, I watched the impulsive episode this week and I listened to his explanation on, on the game and his plans to sort of revitalize it and, and publish it again and everything kind of getting back to normal. He didn't seem very convinced that that was going to happen. He almost seemed kind of defeated. Like, you know, I hate to have to talk about this right now. <laughs> No communication with the community. Mm -hmm. Investors, like people who have put a lot of money in, or maybe they lost a lot of money already. Um, because, I mean, there's been no word about who the new development team is, if they're already working on it. Um, just nothing. We're in the dark. You know, he says that, you know, that they're, he's, the game's still being built, right? But. You know, there's no proof of that that he's shown other than just saying that. Like, so it, it's tough. I mean, I feel like I believe in Logan as like a genuinely pretty, you know, good person now. He didn't, it wasn't always, but I think now he's, you know, I don't think he needs to scam his audience. I think, you know, he makes enough money off of boxing, off of Prime, um, you know, all the different things he does that he can, you know, release a project like this just because he wants to, you know, make something cool, not because he's trying to scam his audience. So mm -hmm. I want to believe that, you know, he's going to come back and he's going to, you know, actually build it out and do it right this time. So I have hope. My understanding of the Paul brothers is sort of that they're really smart. They're brilliant. They have these like business, business structured business minds that can see, you know, a few steps ahead and they kind of know what to do to uh, keep things current, keep things lively and be exciting. My problem with something like this with the game is that he's kind of playing with a lot of people's money and it's not just, here's a cool game where you can collect animals. This is like you put in thousands of dollars and that money's gone kind of thing. So while I do see both of the Pauls as sort of visionary in a way, I mean, Jake is interesting. He's, he's something, those good Ohio boys. Um, I see them, I see them as visionary in some ways. And I think there are some good intentions, but that's just too big of a risk. Like I wouldn't want to play with somebody's money. I think I read somewhere and I don't know how accurate it is. I think the first, like within the first three days of, the game being announced and where you could actually invest. I think it was like either 2 million or $2 billion, like within the first couple of days. Um, and in either case, that's a lot of money. So if that money's gone, that just kind of sucks. So who knows? Um, I think that he can probably save it. I think that he can probably get some of the interest back. 
but it has to be a functioning game. It has to be content that people like and, and desire. And then the investment kind of has to work. Um, Cause if you have a bunch of rare eggs and nobody wants them, then they don't have value. Just like, you know, uh, logic was willing to spend a million dollar on million dollars on a Charizard, but you know, now Charizard's worth like 80,000 maybe, you know, and in, in the highest condition. So I don't know. It, it's strange. It's like the way that economics has always worked is supply and demand. So if he wants to succeed, there has to be a demand. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, one of the, the biggest draws to it for me and why I thought it was going to be a success is just because of Logan Paul. Like he's such mm -hmm. a, captivating personality and he's just a brilliant marketer so if he has a good product which he doesn't uh, you, know, <laughs> could, you know share it make everybody want to hash their eggs and want to breed these animals like it seems like a really easy sell he just needs to build the product which hasn't happened so yeah well i think you know jake has kind of taken a different approach and i think what jake's doing is working a little better which is you know, he's taking the stance of like, all right, here's a sport that's already like tested and proven to be popular. If he does mixed martial arts. UFC's already a success. He's not trying to reinvent the wheel. He's basically just trying to innovate something that's already there and it's already established. And I think that Jake kind of just does it for his own, uh, his own personal reasons. Like he wants to prove that he's a skilled fighter and he wants to, you know, fight people and, and do well. Whereas I think Logan's trying really hard and that feels wrong for him. I think he's trying way too hard to create something like Pokemon. Like he wants to have another Pokemon and I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's kind of aiming a little too high for uh, the current market and the current, um, the current uh, audience that he's selling it to. So maybe it's just bad timing and maybe it really was just a really poor team that he assembled. But there's a chance that it can be salvaged. I, I just don't know how much faith in like coins, digital currency and and stuff like that I have. Um I wanna see it succeed first and then I'll buy it. <laughs> yeah. uh, the one thing that really sucks about um, you know, the Logan Paul kind of like doing this like project thing, um, is he actually does have a successful kind of crypto project. It's the one he did after CryptoZoo, which is 99 Originals, which hmm. is like he, um, throughout the course of like three months or something, he would take like Polaroid every day um, until he had like 99. And he tried to make like every single one like super like interesting or like capture like a cool moment in his life. Um, and that was super successful. Like I think each of the Polaroids sold for like 10,000 or more um, hmm. and they're NFT. So you're buying like an NFT and then this kind of gets you like access to um, this like group where you can kind of like, it's like an exclusive group that if like you own one of these NFTs, you get to go in there and you get to like market or um, network with all the other people in there who are like, also rich and then you can decide what you do with like this fund of money. So he did that project and it was successful and it like kind of hurt to be a CryptoZoo supporter when that came out. Cause it's like, wow, he like moved on to this other project and he kind of like abandoned us after mm -hmm. we invested all this money. So 
Yeah, that, that kind of sucked. Um, so what's what's your next? I mean, I understand you collect Pokemon cards, as do I. Like you do have a lot of things like moving parts and investments and things like that. So what's on your radar? What are you looking at next? Are are you just going to kind of hold your cards when it comes to CryptoZoo and see how it goes? Um. Yeah. I mean, I've got too much money tied up on that to. <laughs> Uh, yeah i don't know i'm not too uh, there's nothing i'm like super interested in like investing in right now a lot of the pokemon stuff i'm collecting is just kind of for me um yeah just for like fun and for my own collection um uh, i did like collecting displays which is what i've hanged up right here so they do mm -hmm. uh like limited edition runs where it's like um you know they only make like 300 of this like super cool like metal poster um, i sold those for a little while which was uh made a little bit off of that um i don't know it's kind of hard right now to find something to invest in because like everybody's talking about a recession and like you know everything's kind of just like crashing with like you know crypto and uh the stock market all the all these different things that are kind of going downhill so i don't know it's it's a weird period i'm kind of like um i'm stepping back right now and all that stuff yeah i i have one display um my wife got one i think it was for my birthday i'm not positive but it's uh 500 days of summer which is one of my all-time favorite movies um it's a scene from that movie and it's i think they're really cool i love the you know the option to just kind of hang it wherever you want it's all like a magnet really cool so yeah. definitely wouldn't mind having more but that's that's the one that's in my office but um it's kind of weird to pick and choose for investing right now like you say there's not the i guess having the foresight to know what to invest in is always going to be the big uh the big catch right like if you bought a bunch of um, vintage Pokemon stuff right before the massive auction where the Charizard was purchased by uh, Logic, then you'd be rich because you made uh, 30 or 130% on all of it. But it's impossible to know uh, what the next big thing was. It's something that my dad and I actually have talked about a lot. Like if you could go back in time and tell your younger self something to buy, like what would you tell him? And my dad's always like, the first Barbie doll and the first GI Joe. <laughs> and I'm like, I would just go tell my younger self to get a thousand copies of the first walking dead comic issue, grade all of them and put them in a building somewhere. Cause oh. they're like $1,500 a piece right now. And they were three bucks when it started. <laughs> cool. so, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's always hard though. Cause you know, you have to be able to have that foresight and, and get a little lucky too. Yeah, that reminds me. Um, I bought my mom a display for her. I think it was her birthday, I want to say. Um, and it's like this really cool, like, ornate, like, um, koi fishes kind of like swirling around. Um, and I mean, I thought it looked like super cool, and she likes that kind of aesthetic. So I bought it for her, not really thinking of it as like an investment, just as like a cool art piece. Um, and that was, it was like a year or two ago. I can't remember exactly, but um, now I bought it for I want to say one fifty, and now it's worth about a thousand. Hmm. So that's something I didn't even know it was going to appreciate in value like that. But uh, yeah, 
Nice. Well, before I before we wrap up, um, there is a little game that I do with my guests. So basically, I have a series of ten questions, and um, off the top of your dome, you have to just give me the first thing that comes to mind if you're down to play. Okay. All right. And this is based on um, a show from the '90s called Inside the Actor Studio. So, uh, R.I.P. And this is the at the end of each interview, the host would ask these ten questions. I have modified the questions for content just because I wanted them to be a little cleaner. But um, I am extremely curious, and it's always a lot of fun to kind of uh, come up for air at the end and and work through. So, curious what you will say. <laughs> All right. So, what is your favorite word? Takes me back to college and uh, public speaking class and having to not say um. <laughs> yeah. uh, what is your least favorite word? Uh, taxes. <laughs> uh what excites you uh video games okay uh what upsets you mm. no not a lot uh, i guess uh, injustice <laughs> okay fair what sound or noise do you love mm. Music, I guess. Okay, oh. fair. Um, what sound or noise do you hate? Uh, my alarm clock. Yeah, that's uh, the, the most common answer has been um, nails on the chalkboard, but definitely not a fan of that either. Uh, what motivates you to act every day when you wake up? Uh, what motivates me? Uh, I guess just being alive. <laughs> <laughs> Like trying to wake up the next day. <laughs> I mean, um, every day's not fun. So every day I wake up and I'm alive. It's, it's a good day. Nice. Um, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Uh, a video game designer. I could see it. You would be a good one. Um, what profession would you not like to do? Mm. HR. <laughs> Much work with people. You don't want to have to fire people? Yeah, that would also be pretty, pretty awkward. And last question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Oh, welcome in. Come on in. I've heard some so heard some really good answers. I think one person says something like, what's up? <laughs> so it would be fun. You know, I, I, I've always been one to say that I believe God has a sense of humor um, in my own twisted mind. I, I truly believe God's pretty funny, but uh, don't know what he'll say. Be very interested to hear, though. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, what's that? Was that all the questions? That's all 10. Yeah, you killed it. Awesome.
Well, I think we've I think we've done a good job. I think we've talked about a lot of topics. I might even split this up into two episodes. Who knows? Um, but it's been a lot of fun. Definitely want to thank you for your time. I uh, had a lot of good conversation and would love to have you come back on and do another episode at some point. So before we wrap, I'm going to let you take the floor and you can shout yourself out in any way you choose or say anything you'd like to say. Oh, um, I don't know. I don't have like... I'm not active on like social media and I'm not like, you know, I'm a pretty private person, so I don't think I have any shout outs. <laughs> what about something, uh, words of wisdom for a listener or a viewer? What should, what should someone hear? What, what do they need to hear today? Um, uh, I would say just be grateful for all the things you have in your life. I know that's something I've been trying to do more and kind of just every morning, just think of a couple of things that I'm grateful for. And then, you know, so if you're having like a bad day or you're down, you know, you can just always think back to, you know, the things you're grateful for and how much you actually have in your life. So I guess that's my words of wisdom. Beautiful. Couldn't have said it better. Um, again, thank you for coming on. Had a lot of fun and uh, I think we're good.